Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And to this new series, which we've entitled 530, and it is part of the Transitions Tuesday programming that we do here at Mind Talk. Every Tuesday we talk about a transition. Today we're going to bring someone in front of the mic, if you will, who is typically behind the mic and a part of Mind Talk to talk to you about a transition that he is going through. And with that, I'd like to welcome Jim Brown, who is the producer, editor, you name it, of Mind Talk and has been with the program since its inception 24 years ago. Jim Brown, welcome to this side of the mic on Mind Talk. Thank you. Jim, you and I have talked about this program uh, at, at great length and what your goals were uh, to sort of come out in, in front of the mic, as, as we we're saying, and tell your story. Your story sort of culminated on May 30th, hence the title 530, a day that you received a diagnosis from a neurologist that was what? That was, um, I, I think he calls it mixed dementia, or it's a form of Alzheimer's. Yes. And uh, the technical terms, you could probably explain better than I can, but I just, uh, I remember the diagnosis, but specifically explaining it in the technical terms so that people could understand it better is, I think you could do that better than I. Well, what the doctor said was that you had mixed dementia, as you've said, and it was Alzheimer's along with vascular dementia. So there are two different kinds of dementia that you're working on. Dementia actually represents a number of different kinds of dementia. The two that we're talking about that you were told that you have uh, are Alzheimer's and vascular dementia. I want to take you back to that day uh, of May 30th when the doctor first told you what the diagnosis was. What did you think? What did you say? It was fearful in that I didn't because I didn't understand what it was. I've heard the term dementia. I've heard the term Alzheimer's before, and I know people who have uh, who have that condition. And uh, I was all uh, well in 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 a in a in a in a, in a, in a very simple sense. I was fear. There was fear shot through my body in terms of well, what in the heck is this, and how is it? Why is, why is he saying that I am uh, in that condition? Well, it was, uh, it, it took a while to, to, for that to sink in and it gave me, uh, as I said, a sense of fear. But it also made me start to wonder and look over my life and, and say, hey, look, what's going on with you? Uh, why do people say, why is someone saying it about you, especially a professional? And what other 
indications in your life has have occurred that made you wonder or think that that's possible. Uh, so then I start to examine uh, things that had happened and pe things people have said and things that I've said and things that I've done uh, and start to put pieces together and realize that, hey, this is a reality. This is true. The first time that someone hears a diagnosis of dementia, whether it's the individual or a friend or a family member, depending on how the person behaves from day to day, it can either seem like a shock or sort of, yeah, I can see that. As you began to tell family and friends and loved ones that you had a diagnosis of dementia, what was their reaction? Uh, very uh, disappointed, disbelief, uh, because I never had, in, un unbeknownst to me, I had never given them any indication that I had any kind of problem like this, and they had never detected it. Uh, they felt that it was mixed as a mixed di di diagnosis, that it was incorrect, and that uh, I should get uh, other opinions uh, because there was no way that they could they could. Uh, they could sink their brain into or their minds into understanding or believing that this was who I am. And in fact, this was your second opinion. You had an, an initial opinion, and then you went to another person for a second opinion, had a series of tests, and this is the more definitive diagnosis that you received, the one of mixed, di uh, mixed dementia. Now, you know, everyone who has dementia does not have Alzheimer's, but everyone who has Alzheimer's is certainly on the dementia spectrum. And one of the things that people think about in terms of Alzheimer's is uh, having significant short-term memory loss, uh, as the disease progresses, perhaps becoming volatile, um, any number of both physical and what appear to be emotional uh, experience come to the fore. But for you, for your friends, they weren't aware of any short-term memory loss for you. They weren't aware of you having difficulties with uh, remembering things or balancing a checkbook or, or any of those things. No, well, those kind of personal things you keep to yourself, but they, they wouldn't know that. Um, but they would have, uh, they would have, if they given it a lot of thought, remember that or recall that there were times when things would uh, would sort of um, uh, slip through the cracks in a sense. Yes. Things that I'm supposed to do or have done, would have done, that didn't happen because I would have forgotten, but they don't, they didn't attribute it to, to uh, any kind of um, uh, fallacy on my part. It was just more of a, of a, hey, uh, he forgot that.
And in fact, Jim, you've um, worked in the communication industry for many years. And part of working in the communications industry, uh, you've worked in television, you've worked in radio, clearly now you've been doing this podcast. Part of that skill set is being able to keep a lot of balls in the air and not let anything fall. So again, another reason why neither you or the people around you would have necessarily thought about Alzheimer's. True. Uh, I, I think part of that also is that I, I'm finding out that one of the con one of the uh, the other character or factors of this condition is that you are able to to juggle things you are able to do things uh, uh, in fact the more things you do the more focused you become and uh, in the recent jobs that I've had uh, that is has been my my whole uh, uh, modus operandi I mean I, w I was uh, uh, very very uh, swamped, I say, with a variety of different responsibilities in the past on different jobs that I've had that had, had uh, where I had juggled many balls, m many uh, uh, factors and many facets of, of, of a proje project that kept it going and pulled it together and finished it. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't feel as though um, I've missed anything. I think the experiences I've had ha have kept me focused to a point where I was able to do a variety of different things, hold some very important jobs, and do some very important projects that had uh, had kept uh, uh, me uh, uh, alive and moving. One of the it, things it, that it I is, there's it is, it is let me say this it is it is what I have found that when I retired uh, from regular work and started to sit home and do nothing is when things start to slow down for me. Uh, had I stayed as busy as I uh, as I was in the past, I think that uh, my whole condition would have. Have, have not progressed as far as it has. You know, one of the guests we're going to have in, in the weeks to come will be a medical doctor as well as a neurologist, as well as a neuropsychologist. Um, part of why I say that is because I'm not sure that what you're saying is a fully accurate accounting of how dementia and certainly vascular dementia uh, can grow and show itself. One of the things about dementia that we know is that typically a first diagnosis isn't until years and years after perhaps very mild, very subtle symptoms have begun to occur. The other piece that I really want to underscore for people listening, and we will continue to do so in the weeks and months ahead, is that just because you don't remember something doesn't automatically mean you have Alzheimer's. That is a feature of dementia, but that is not a specific 
hard diagnostic indicator of dementia. So that's really important. And and part of why I say that is because certainly with the, you, you've worked in the communication industry and you have been under a lot of stress in your jobs and you might forget something and it might have had nothing to do with dementia. It might have been that you had 15 things on your plate and your plate can only carry 10, but you were carrying 15. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and continue our conversation with Jim Brown, very recently diagnosed with mixed dementia. In fact, the name of our series, 530, is the date that Jim received his diagnosis. We'll be right back. Jim, let's pick up with initial reaction of family and friends. I think as you began to tell people about your diagnosis uh, and really reflect on it yourself, you were able to recall and perhaps those closest to you were able to then understand in a different way perhaps car accidents that you had experienced or things that felt important but were forgotten. How did that impact your closest relationships? Um, for instance, uh, a lot of what happened to me in those times were not things that people looked at as being faults or, or things that uh, that they could attribute to uh, to anything like Alzheimer's or dementia or anything of that sort, because that was the farthest thing from their minds. Right. Uh, it was. Um, it was it was things that I recognized because after those things would happen, I would realize that something happened that I had no control over and that I worried about. I was very concerned about any uh, accident I would have uh, or any any mishap that would happen. Anything that would happen, I would be concerned about it because I tried to be. Um, I hate to sound, this sounds egotistical, but I try to be perfect in what I do. And so when a mistakes happen, I get really concerned because I don't want to make mistakes, but I do. And so when I do, I am very concerned. Uh, the last uh, accident I had, which is one that was very, very disturbing to me, was one that caused me to want to stop driving because it was such a, a quick event that happened uh, at an evening, on, on an evening about uh, oh five, six, about seven o'clock in the evening. I was on my way to a meeting and uh, the traffic was heavy. It was, it was, it was dust dark and uh, I was changing lanes and as I went to change the lane, I noticed out of the corner of my eye, a car pulled out right beside me and so I slowed down and uh, I, I 
currently thought I was slowing down to pull back into the lane in the lane that I was in and when I looked up I was right on the tail of the car in front of me so when I hit the brakes I hit the brakes a little too soon and ran right in the back of the other car well I realized after the fact uh, you know a day later what had happened and I was very concerned that it happened because I thought that uh, I was more on top of what I was doing I was more alert than I was and I didn't think that that would happen to me but it did and because it did it made me very get very concerned about um, about uh, about myself and about how I was thinking and what I was doing especially with driving because I love to drive I've driven all my life and uh, uh, I guess I've gone over a hundred thousand miles or more up and down the East Coast or more <laughs> probably a whole lot more and Jim tell us your age I'm now 79. 79 years old. Yeah. And you have actually been working. We were talking about that the other day. You've been working in the communications industry for over 50 years, I think you said? Uh, about 56 years. 56 years. That's a whole bunch of, whole bunch of life. It's a, it's a lot. <laughs> it, is, it is indeed. Jim, what was the first thing that initially took you to a neurologist uh, to even begin to be tested? Um, as I understand it, first you went to your primary care physician because you were unsteady. Your gait was off. You were unsteady on your feet. You were tripping and stumbling. What was going on with me was that I had... Uh um, I had begun to, to um, yes, stumble. Uh, I was in a situation where I had, uh, um, I had, I had several uh, little, uh, what do you say, bumping accidents with my legs. You know, bumping into things. Corner tables and and uh, chairs and things of that sort, but nothing to the point that would give in anyone else other than myself an indication that it was something that was a lot wrong with me that more wrong to me with me than accurate. I realized all these things was going on, but I thought it had more to do with me, my inactivity in terms of sitting around a lot and not really being as active as I normally am and was very um, very sure that I had to get out and do more walking and do more exercise and so forth so that I could strengthen my legs and get my balance back together. None of that appear, appeared to have, uh, have uh, uh, occurred to me that was uh, was uh, was an effect of of any kind of malfunction of my body, of my, of my brain, and so forth. It was all having to do with me uh, not getting the kind of exercise that I thought I needed. And, you know, there's no reason why it, it would have. As I understand it, your wife sort of ran the riot act on you and insisted that you go to your primary 
your primary care then wanted you, because you'd been working with the same primary for a while, he then wanted you to see a neurologist. He too wanted to understand what the unsteadiness in your gait was. And it was that first neurologist who, uh, after I think it was a couple of years, uh, began to look more closely at how you were functioning as you were reporting an increase in the stumbling and an increase in the accidents and an increase in forgetting things, still with nobody thinking that dementia was anywhere in the picture. True. And uh, a lot of that had to do with how I was uh, reporting to him because I was never really sure that there's anything wrong other than, than my physical uh, inactivity. I thought it was more of that than anything else because that's, all my life I'd been physically physical. Uh, even though I uh, uh, worked primarily in offices and so forth, I still, my outside life was always uh, doing something. Uh, if it was softball, it was football, it was bowling, it was uh, a lot of physical activities that kept my body in fairly physical tone. Uh, when that stopped, I felt that that was part of what was causing these other things to happen. So when I uh, was reporting to him, I was giving him these other things that I had stopped doing or that I wasn't doing, which gave him the feeling that uh, some of what was wrong with me was uh, was not a phys enough physical activity, and that's how he responded. And, and and so again, you know, the what you were experiencing, the the symptoms, if you will, uh, were very subtle indeed. It wasn't until, um, as I understand it, uh, you were given what is called a slums test, which is not a diagnostic test. It's sort of a rule out. Uh, mini look at what's going on with you uh, neurologically and you scored according to the neurologist your score was very low relative to your age and to your academic achievements as well as to the kind of complex work that you had done all of your lives with putting together Together productions, whether it was a documentary or it was a comedy, whether it was teaching students or mentoring community groups, the the level of functioning and thinking that goes into those uh, activities did not match up with the score that you received on that initial test, which again is not a diagnostic test. As far as I know, there is no purely um, uh, accepted diagnostic tests. Although I do hear, Jim, I don't know if you've heard this, that they've come up with a blood test that they're working on that they believe may be able to uh, give one an indication of dementia long before uh, has been the case recently. I don't know if you heard about that. Uh, something, but not to the point. I haven't done any actual study on it, but I did hear something to that uh to that degree. Yeah, we'll have to get a, a medical doctor um, in here with us and a neurologist and a neuropsychologist to talk to us about these things. So I, I want to go back to, again, that, that first day when you received this diagnosis, you were shocked, 
I think your partner was shocked, uh, or at least not prepared for that diagnosis. Um, you thought about it. You tried to understand it. You did a little research, started to tell people about it, and basically everybody said, no, that's not possible. As people were telling you, no, that's not possible, did that help or no? It fed my ego in in two ways. One, it says, uh, you're okay, nothing's wrong with you. The other one, it, 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 it gave me the uh, false sense of security of not really paying a lot of attention to myself in a manner which I should. So I got, uh, I, I got to a point where I, I worried subconsciously about certain things, but I never really paid a lot of attention to what was going on with me on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a regular basis. Jim, as you and I were talking about the possibility of doing this series, you kept saying that you really wanted to be sort of a mentor, if you will, for the community, that you wanted people to understand the importance of sharing all of their experiences with their primary care, of following the primary care doc's recommendations, of not being silent, of not self-diagnosing. But you also talked about the value and the importance for you, for men in particular, to get medical attention and African-American men in particular to seek out help when something was going on that they didn't understand. Why is that so important to you? It is uh, extremely uh, important to understand how you function and how when things are not perfect with you, that you should try to figure out why they're not why they're that way and make them perfect. Uh, Can I interrupt you for a second, Jim? Sure. Because sure. you keep talking about the experience of wanting to be perfect, and that, aside from being slightly completely impossible, is really sort of burdensome, don't you think? No, I think it's it's part of the makeup of men in a sense. It's very difficult for females to understand this and I'm saying this <laughs> as a male, is that we try to do things right. And because we try to do things right, we don't like to make mistakes on things. We like to figure out what has to be done and then do it right. And uh, do it correctly, put it that way. And when we don't make it, and when we don't achieve that, that quote-unquote perfection, it bothers us. Uh, we have lived under the false or the 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 uh, how you say we lived we've lived under the under the shadow of or or live with the perspective of being able to be perfect about with it with things that we do of being able to be correct with things that we do uh, because our ego says we are kings and we should be correct with this and correct with that and correct this way and correct that way and uh that we don't make, we shouldn't make mistakes, but we do make mistakes, 
and uh, we're not always uh, sure or not always conscious of or not always honest with ourselves when we make mistakes. Jim, we're going to take a break. And what I wonder about um, is how you are feeling physically and emotionally as we come to the close of today's program. Um, feeling that uh, we've run out of time <laughs> 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 and that we have, uh, have gone past the time that we've allotted for this program and that there are many things that I know that we need to cover that we have not covered in this program and that we have to do it in our next program. But this is part of what this business is about is being able to uh, to stretch and make those decisions and make those things happen that need to happen to get the word out. Well, again, um, I, I, I heard you tell me that my time is up, so I'm going to wrap it up. Um, as you said, we will continue this on a weekly basis. The series is called 530. I know you have questions as you listen to Jim today, and we'll have many more, and we hope to answer many more and explode some of the myths. One more thing I'd like to add is that, Jim, is you are actually engineering Mind Talk as we speak. So the the myth that once you get the diagnosis, you sort of fall off the grid is really not true. Folks, again, I want to thank you so much for joining us. This is an experiment for us as well. So we'd like to hear from you uh, as to how you're thinking about this uh, series that we are proposing entitled 530. To reach Jim, you can contact him by sending an email to jim at mindtalk.org. That's M-Y-N-D-T-A-L-K.org. You can send an email to me. That's Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A, at mindtalk.org. like to know what your questions and thoughts are. And I want you to know that you can listen to this program or any Mind Talk program at mynndtalk.org. When you get to the site, you can look at the other platforms upon which Mind Talk appears. And I'm being told I got to go, so I got to go. Take care. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.